Welcome, I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. This is a podcast where we're studying the Bible. We're working our way through the book of Hebrews. Today is episode 909, and we're looking at Hebrews chapter 12, verses 4 through 11. Let's read our passage. In struggling against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood, and you have forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons. My son, do not take the Lord's discipline lightly or lose heart when you are reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves, and punishes every son he receives. Endure suffering as discipline. God is dealing with you as sons. For what son is there that a father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline, which all receive, then you are illegitimate children, and not sons. Furthermore, we had human fathers discipline us, and we respected them. Shouldn't we submit even more to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time based on what seemed good to them. But he does it for our benefit so that we can share his holiness. No discipline seems enjoyable at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. This is the book of Hebrews. It's a letter, or a written sermon, to a group of Jewish Christians. They're experiencing persecution as Christians, and the temptation is for them to abandon Christianity and fall back into Judaism. And the writer Hebrews is arguing that Christ is superior to anything they could fall back to. He's talked about Christ being superior to angels and Moses, the Old Testament priesthood. Christ is the new high priest with the new covenant, how you relate to God. And so the challenge is to live by faith. Throughout chapter 11, he gave examples of these heroes of the faith. And then said, in light of what we've seen from their examples, run this race of life with endurance. Put aside any hindrance, any sin, and focus on Jesus. So now we pick it up in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 4. In struggling against sin... You have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. There's actually two words in here that only appear here in the New Testament. The word struggling and the word resisted. Both these verbs appear nowhere else in the New Testament. Now, the word struggle, the Greek word there is a, a metaphor of boxing. He talked about running last time, running the race. Now he's using this uh, struggling word, that would be like a metaphor for boxing. So he's using still a sporting analogy of trying to complete the task. But struggling against sin. Now, there's a couple ways to take this. He talked about casting off sin and hindrances that would trip us up in the race before. Is that what he's talking about? Or is he talking about sin as in those who oppose Christianity? Most people think it's probably the second there that he's talking about those who are opposing them, those who are causing the persecution. That's the struggle therein. And in this struggle, you've not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Well, shedding your blood's a metaphor for death. Shedding blood is killing. You have not yet had to die for your faith. Many of the heroes of the faith we saw in chapter 11, they did die for their faith. But he says, you guys haven't experienced that yet. You've been persecuted. You've had a lot of bad things happen to you, but they haven't started killing you yet. 
key word there. He says, yet, which means it could happen, just like it happened to a lot of the heroes of the faith in chapter 11. So some say this is a clue in trying to identify who this group is and when the letter was written based on persecutions that were there. But it's hard to say because this could be a fairly localized group and they themselves have not experienced persecution to the point of death. Verse 5, and you've forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons. Then he quotes from Proverbs chapter 3, verses 11 and 12. My son, do not take the Lord's discipline lightly or lose heart when you're reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and punishes every son he receives. He says, you've forgotten this. How does he know they've forgotten that? Basically saying, based on your living, you're so worried about the persecution you're experiencing right now that you're tempted to leave Christianity because of it. Obviously, you have forgotten this challenge from Proverbs 3. And this is basically God speaking to his children, talking about discipline. Discipline is from the Lord. And throughout Scripture, we often see this link between suffering and being a child of God. And so how do we interpret hard times? Well, they're hard times that God allows to come our way. And the purpose of these hard times is to train us. What is discipline? Discipline is training. Discipline is shaping the outcome. Discipline is a combination of learning information, but more importantly, learning behavior. How do you train a child? With discipline. There's positive discipline and negative discipline. He actually, in verse 6, he says, punishes every son he receives. Now, this is corrective punishment. So, it would be a negative discipline for negative behavior. Verse 7, endure suffering as discipline. God's dealing with you as sons. What son is there that a father does not discipline? So, here's the challenge. Okay, you're enduring some hard times. Yes, keep enduring. Key challenge we've seen throughout the letter. Persevere. Persevere through these hard times and view it as discipline. These are things God is allowing to happen to shape you for the future. Verse 8. But if you are without discipline, which all received, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. This is a challenge. If there's no discipline, then there must not be a parent, is what he's essentially saying. If God is not allowing discipline in your life, then it must be because you are not a child of God. He just said that children are disciplined. So if there's no discipline, there's a problem there. Verse 9. Furthermore, we had human fathers discipline us, and we respected them. Shouldn't we submit even more to the Father of Spirits and live? Well, the main point he's making here is pretty obvious. We have human fathers who discipline us, to train us, to grow into responsible adults, and we respect them for that. Were they perfect? No. But we respect that they did the best they could. So why would we push back when perfect God allows discipline to come our way? But he refers to God here as Father of Spirits. And there's 
argument on what exactly that means. I think it's best just to understand he's talking of father from a spiritual term, our spiritual father, the God who is the father of everything spiritual. Verse 10, for they disciplined us for a short time based on what seemed good to them, but he does it for our benefit so we can share in his holiness. So the earthly fathers, they disciplined us for the brief period of time that we were under their discipline. So until you're an adult and out from under their control. And based on what seemed good to them, they did the best they could. But they weren't perfect. They're fallen humans just like we are. But compare it to what God does, what God does, of course, is perfect. And he does it for our benefit so that we can share in his holiness. Never think about God's holiness. That's a characteristic of God. That is God's perfection. Us sharing in that holiness? Basically saying that the discipline that God allows in our lives shapes us, transforms us to start becoming more and more like him. Verse 11, no discipline seems enjoyable at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Discipline's rough when it happens. After the fact, you look back and you see the good it has done. It has shaped us and molded us and transformed us. And he calls it the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Now, the peaceful aspect of it doesn't define what he means there. Some think he's just referring to the, the idea that it creates more of a peaceful bond between believers. I don't know that's for sure, but I don't have a better explanation for it. Fruit of righteousness, that which comes out of our living by faith. So bad things happen. And often the response is, why me? Why did God allow this to happen to me? From the passage here, if God is not allowing things to happen to us, that should scare us even more. That it would say, well, then you must not be a child of God if nothing bad ever happens to you. But better than asking the why me question, or why did God allow this to happen, ask God, how should I live in light of this? Yes, this bad thing has happened. So what would be my righteous response to that? How should I respond to this bad circumstance? How should I now live? And what would you have me learn from this? In fact, the idea of discipline, discipline, discipleship, growing in my relationship with God, growing in my faith, growing maturity. What would God have me learn from this? And how would he have me do things differently from this? Hardship leads to growth, growth and faith. And what is faith? Believing God, trusting God, obeying God. And so the outcome of facing hardships that God allows to come my way should be a growth in my relationship with God, a growth in my faith, growing in believing God, trusting God, and obeying God. Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue working through Hebrews 11.1.